Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 74 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that everything, and I mean simply everything, has a history, like peas, snowmen, or barns. Or the numbers 7, 72, and 40. 40 is all about the Vikings. Or the history of left and right. We'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of pockets... Yes, the history of the humble pocket is in fact all about the US Army. It's about the suffragettes and it's about the history of consumption. I love the history of pockets. What have you got in your pockets now? Far too much. Have you got I, ha- I have a pen. Don't, I have a don't pen tell in me. My I've, got, I've got a bit of cash, but that's it. I've got a, li- I've got a few pennies. Yeah. Pockets are archives. Or the history of fleas Ooh. is about Victorian eccentricity, 17th century poetry, and of course everyone knows the Black Death. It's very unexpected. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to do all of those. The man sitting opposite me is the hero of history himself. You're also the Black Panther of the past, which I've just realised. It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's Professor James Daybell. Hello, James. Hello, Sam. How are you? Very good. Are you feeling chilly in this weather? Little. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, no, not good. Good. Um, and the man sitting opposite me is the noble sea lord of sagas. It's the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, everyone. Um, so each week we we discuss a kind of crazy theme. And this week, we, we're both really excited about this week. I know, I know we do tend to be excited about most of what we do, but um, we're doing eggs. It's quite exciting. It is. But why is it exciting? I don't know. And it's also an Easter special, although we mm. are... We are. Is it the first of March today? I think it is. It is isn't yeah, it? yeah. We're we're recording this in snowy Exeter, but this is an Easter special about eggs. Yeah. Tell me about your earliest memory of eggs. Wow. Your earliest memory of eggs. <laughs> My earliest egg memory. Yes. Okay. Um. It is. I put you on a, the spot. You have I? no. It's paint. It's it's drawing on or decorating eggs. So for Easter, with like felt tip pens. Doing right. doing funny faces. Right. It's the egg as a egg as a canvas, James. Ah, the egg as a ca- egg <laughs> egg as arm. Yeah. For me, my earliest memory. Picture this: uh, a young Daybell, aged about six, Hornsey County Primary School, and I'm out in the playground. And the secondary school uh, has the day off, and whirling overhead comes 
into the playground from the gate outside comes a barrage of eggs. Right, you were attacked with eggs. Oh, we were attacked by eggs. Not only um, not only normal eggs, but rotten eggs. Really? And it was a thing in our seaside town up in Yorkshire, in Hornsey, um, for kids at the senior school when once they'd left the primary school <laughs> to basically hoard eggs. My God. And wait until they went really slightly, rotten, yeah. really rotten. And then on those days when the primary school was in, they would hurl these eggs into I'm appalled the by that. I feel quite sorry it's for awful, you. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. But egging, egging, egging is a thing. <laughs> is it a thing? I'm going to talk all about egging. <laughs> Historical egging. Historical egging. Think of John Prescott. True. The, the political egg. The egg in the face. Wow. It's getting more and more interesting. It is. Isn't it? Who's going to start? I can start. <laughs> you can I start. I can start. Um, it's also all about the Beastie Boys. Is it? Yes. Hmm. Teen, teenage Day Bell. Yes, go into on. the Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah, and the um the the song their song Eggman. The Beastie <laughs> Boys loved egging. Did they? They had they 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 drove around egging people around Brooklyn, egging massive egg fights. They were basically just you know I don't like that grown up children. Do you not like? I don't that? like that. No, I no I don't like that. And I've always I've always admired and quite liked the Beastie Boys, but they are, they were beasts. They were be they were real beasts. I I have here the um the the lyrics for. For the Beastie Boys, Eggman. <laughs> I looked out of the window and seen his bald head. Is anyone still I listening? Ra- I ran to the fridge and pulled out an egg. Scoped him with my scopes. He had no hair. Launched that shot and he was caught out there. Saw the convertible driving by. Loaded up the slingshot and let one fly. He went for his to find he didn't have one. Put him in check. Correct with my egg gun. The egg, a symbol of life, go inside your house and bust out your wife. Not sure what that means. Um, Pulling out the jammy, he thought it was a joke. The trigger, I pulled his face, the yoke. Reached in his pocket, took all his cash, left my man standing with an egg (laughs) moustache. Suckers, they come, a dime a dozen. And when I say dozen, you know what I'm talking about. Humpty Dumpty was a big fat egg. And so it goes, and so it goes on. That's brilliant. So when was that? 19... This is in... uh, I forget which... Paul's Boutique album. Okay. So kind of they so they had this album um and called called it Paul's Boutique because Paul's Boutique in Brooklyn would give them shed loads of free clothes. So it's kind of like early nine early nineties. Hmm. But it is a it's a historical thing. And I was I was I was leafing through uh my paperbacks and came across glorious stubbing wrists um up on a hill and thereabouts an Adirondack childhood so up in the mountains yep. in 1930s love the Adirondacks new york mm, um and she describes there the game that she and her childhood friends would play and it's a wonderful description here so they've been playing all sorts of games in the morning and then she said they 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 stopped um a game that they were playing because we also had a rotten egg contest planned for that afternoon we had two teams, again, boys versus girls. For weeks, we searched abandoned chicken nests under the haymows, and we'd keep the eggs until we had a big pile of them. Every kid saved them, and I'm afraid some good eggs got snuck into the pile too. But the longer they stayed in the hot sun, the riper they got, which was the whole idea. When we had about 200 saved, we'd have a rotten egg fight. We'd divide the eggs, the boys lined up on one side of the field, the girls on the other, with about 15 feet between us, someone yelled, go, and we threw the eggs as fast as we could at each other, hitting everyone we could. When the eggs broke and smelled, the mess would gag you. The awful smell was so bad, it hurt to breathe. Wow. 
The idea was to whack the other team the fastest with the most eggs to make them get out of there. Of course, these rotten egg fights were a no-no to parents, so we had to sneak way out back of the sugar grove to have one. Love that. The history of egging. So, But you disapprove. No, I, I disapprove of, of egging people. And we play egg catch in our house. Oh. Um, which I've done to highly train my kids to play cricket from a very young age. So you, you basically play catch with an egg, but you then take a step back oh. after every time you've caught it. And you end oh. up... The idea to, to sort of take it yeah, gently yeah, into your... Just don't, you don't drop it. You and don't, then, um, but yep. you end up... I mean, I've ended up playing it with my son, hurling it at each other <laughs> across vast expanses of land. Um, it's very good fun. But no, you don't do it with a rotten egg, and it's, a, no. it's not a mean game. Is it a, is it a boiled egg or a... Uh, it's a raw egg. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's an egg, a... egg in a shell. That's a thing. It is a thing, isn't wow. it? Wow. So where are you going with um, the history, the unexpected history of eggs, Sam? I am going to go to the egg as inspiration and also as a means of measurement, um, which is quite Ooh. cool. So um, you've got an egg there, haven't you? Let me have an egg. I have. We, we, we're going to break these out later. We are. There we are. What does that look like, James? Uh, like an egg. Okay, all right. So <laughs> imagine it's, it's like... An oval shape. It's 100,000 times bigger than oh this. Oh, my God. It uh, would be huge. And on top of a building. Ah, so it would be like a religious egg a dome, a dome, okay. right? So a dome eggs have influenced <laughs> the, 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 the construction of an egg. It's it's a perfect dome, right? Okay. And it's incredibly strong. Yes, yes. Um, and it's um, I found out recently that it's actually it's made out of calcium carbonate or bits of calcium carbonate in the huh. egg, which is what what's in cement or concrete or something like that. So it's um it's a, it's it's designed to protect life. It is yes, of course. And it has been um. Pop it safely back in its little uh, nest. It's got a little, <laughs> little plastic box nest. Um, I, had, I had to venture across town today in the snow. Didn't can you, to, can didn't you name, me, name me some 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 domes then? St Paul's. St Paul's very good dome. Uh, yeah. The Radcliffe Camera in Oxford. Okay, yeah. So St Paul's, um, seventeen ten, eighteenth century. Right. Just going to get a kind of chronology of these domes yep. is quite important. Yep. Um, Hagia Sophia. Yes. So that's much older. Yep. Um, that's in Istanbul. Yep. Beautiful. I've never been, but um, I'd love to. Uh, Florence Cathedral. Yep. 15th century. So that's older than St. Peter's in Rome. Right. As well. Right. Um, and then the oldest one, you know, the kind of the big famous Roman one in Rome, Pantheon. Oh, okay. Pantheon in Rome. Absolutely Pantheon. enormous. Yep. And then there are other ones, some really interesting ones, some iron ones that were built. There's one in 1927, a planetarium in Germany. Yep. Um, in Jena. And then the CNIT Exhibition Hall in Paris, 1958. But what's the matter about all of these is that they have all been measured by architects in relation to the strength of an egg, ah. which is really cool. So we know, yes, what's great about this is if you work out the ratio of the diameter of the dome in relation to the thickness of the shell, okay, yep. an egg is about 100. Wow. Okay, is that so strong? I don't know. It, it, it's it's pretty strong, but it's not as strong as we make them now. But it's an awful lot stronger than they used to be. So if you if you take the Pantheon, okay, yep. so there's there's a basically a hierarchy of dome strengths in relation to an egg. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is this is an amazing history. Um, Pantheon and Rome. That um, the ratio of span to thickness is eleven. Mm. Okay. So we're looking for a higher number. Yep. An eggs a hundred. Yep. Higher than that means it's bigger and thinner than an egg. Yeah. So eleven. It's ten times less strong. Right. Than an egg, okay? Then in 1434, we have the um, the amazing double dome of brick, which is on the Cathedral of Florence. Right. And that has um, improved to 21. That ratio is, is it's, it's twice as good as the Pantheon in Rome. 
Then St Paul's in London is 36, but we're still only a third of the strength of an egg. And then it's not until like the 1920s that we really dramatically start being able to make domes that are stronger, inherently stronger than an egg. Hmm. Um, This one in 1927, a planetarium in East Germany is built, and that's 420. It's got a ratio of 420, so it's four times stronger Hmm. than an Hmm. egg. And then um, by the 1960s, we're building stuff that's it's 170 times stronger than an egg, but you're using reinforced concrete and steel and things that are like... So um, eggs are strong. Eggs are incredibly strong. Am I right in thinking that if you took an egg and you placed it up like that and you put a say, a, a book over it. Yes. You could then press down on it and it wouldn't break. I think so. Also, have you ever done this? Put an egg inside a glass jar, filled it with water, and then shaken it like that. No. Oh, it doesn't break. Is it you should all, No, you should all go home and try that. I think that's more to do with uh, the property of water huh. uh, than eggs, necessarily. Interesting. It was a water kind of protecting it. Yeah. It's a sort of science experiment. I like that. Um, but one of the things that actually is related to this, is so um, Filippo uh, Brunelleschi, who is the guy who designed the um, the, the dome in Florence Cathedral, that's the Santa Maria del Fiore yep. Cathedral. I've been there. It's completely amazing. It's it's the, the largest the largest it? dome ever constructed with bricks and masonry. Okay, yep. That's its claim to fame. And it was the inspiration for St. Paul's. It was the inspiration for the Capitol building in Washington as well. So... Everyone in Florence, it's not exactly an open invitation, but there is an invitation for architects and designers to come together for a plan for the roof of the cathedral. So this happens on two occasions. It happens in 1409 and then again in 1418. In 1409, this guy is basically ignored because he hasn't got all the qualifications, he hasn't got the status of all of these other very famous designers. 1418, he manages to get a a sort of a proper seat at the table to have his designs properly considered. Mm. And no one believes that he can do what he says he can do. His answer is a dome within a dome, octagonal in design, with a lantern on the top to let light in, and he thinks he can build the entire thing without scaffolding. Does Um, he manage it? Well, he absolutely manages it, yes. But um, the problem is, is actually getting approval to use his design over anyone else's. And he did it with an egg. He proved it. Well, he didn't prove it with an egg. He actually used an egg in a very clever way. They said, can you please show us the design for your dome? And he said, no, because if I showed you the design for my dome, you'd be able to build it. And they said, well, you know, well, that's not, not very reasonable. We'd like to be able to work out. You know, and he said, all right, before we we'll, we'll do a test. He it. said, so he gets an egg and he says, okay, whoever can make this egg stand upright on the table, if you can do that, then I'll yep. show you my plans. And there were loads of like <laughs> really clever brains in 15th century Florence. Oh, I, can't, I can't get this egg to stand up. It's annoying. It's so spherical. Do you have to <laughs> they, spin they it? They couldn't do it. No, he just whacked the bottom. <laughs> he whacked the bottom with a spoon till it was flat uh, and then stood it up. Clever, and, and they clever, were like, just cheat, cheat. I could have done that if I'd have known you were going to do that. And he said, well, you'll be able to build this cathedral roof if I told you how to do it. If I show you the plans, you'll be able to Brilliant. do it. Exactly the same principle. Where on earth did you find that out? Anyway, they were so impressed that they then let him build it. So not only is it inspired by an egg, but he actually got the um, chance to build it because of his clever use of an egg. Brilliant. Huh. Br- fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. No. I'm sure you weren't expecting the Beastie Boys. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, that I am the walrus as well. Are you? No, no, no. I am the walrus. I am the Eggman. I am the Eggman. Yeah. Cuckoo. Could you? Cuckoo, what does that even mean? What is that? Well, apparently, it, I mean, this is all about the sort of mysterious John Lennon sort of oh, the backward lyrics, stuff. the backward sort of stuff. But apparently, it um, it is supposed to be a reference to uh, the lead singer of the Animals, okay. who was nicknamed Eggs, and used to um, like cracking eggs over uh, naked ladies. Apparently, mm. um, sort of. 
I've just had a, a dome memory. Oh, tell me do your you dome a, memory. Do you have a dome memory? Yes. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gone. I used to work in a dome. Did you? Yes, I used to work in the in the Radcliffe camera. Oh, okay, fine. Which is yeah. a beautiful, tell us about that. What exactly what is that? Library. So the Radcliffe camera is the well, it used to be the history library upstairs in the Radcliffe camera was the was sort of where um, the Radcliffe started the beginning. It's Rad, a building in Oxford. Radcliffe right? camera is a build is a library in Oxford, part of the Bodleian Library's um, set of buildings. And when I was there in the uh, early nineties. It used to be. It used to house upstairs. It used to house all the history books. So you'd go up these sort of um, winding stairs and go into it, and it was this huge rotunda. Hmm. Um, Do you know when that was built? Mid eighteenth century? Oh, uh, probably earlier than that. Oh, okay. I, I can't think. I mean, we could Google it, but I can't yeah. think off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but you remember spectacular working there and... and the and the British Museum, yes. of course, which mm. is a beautiful. So I always associate my earliest memories. Are associating. I mean, they're not particularly. You mean the library in the British Museum? The library in the British Museum, which which, is which used to be the British, which used to be the old British library Library, before it moved to King's Cross. You can still go in it, can't you? Um, They've. I tried. We tried actually when we went up to see the Scythians. Yes. um, And we couldn't get in. No. Um, They've closed it down. But for a while, you used to be able to go in. Uh, and still see it, and you could go in and see Karl Marx's desk, and mm-hmm. you know, you think about the sort of various wonderful, um, you know, writers, thinkers who you know sat in there and worked. worked what were the there. acoustics like? Could you have a secret conversation with the person no. next to you no. because it no. basically amplifies it? Doesn't no, it? I had I had a friend who um, who had to have an operation uh, on the base of his spine, right? Um, because he sat, he spent so much time sitting in one of those chairs. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, hello, you know who you are. <laughs> so, anyways, acoustics. I've just had my, yes, my oh, dome memory yes, is based on. around acoustics. Isn't there? There's, there's something called the whispering gallery at St Paul's. Yes, there is. What does that mean? It means you can whisper, and someone on the other side you, can hear you. You whisper like this, and then and someone can, in, and somebody can hear. Yeah, the acoustics sort of take the sound. It's all about waves. So I went. Waves. I've been the, the one is the thing I'm thinking of is the big mosque in Isfahan, yeah, in Iran, where where it's it's constructed so that there are. 
multiple echoes of your voice. Yeah. So if you're doing the call to prayer, if you're doing whatever, or you're like me, you're just trying to shout your kids' names. But you get, I think there are kind of nine echoes or something. It's completely staggering. So there's the the, the history of the acoustic properties of domes is really interesting. So th- that wasn't discovered by accident. That was built on purpose to make that happen, to amplify the voice of those who are, who are doing the call to prayer, which does raise the interesting question of what the acoustics inside an egg are like. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> I, I mean... It must be great. Little chick in there. Yeah, yeah. Singing. Yeah. <laughs> like being in the womb. Yes. I get courtesy of 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 um of Google. Um Radcliffe camera, uh built in neoclassical style, designed by James Gibbs, um in uh seventeen thirty seven to forty nine. All right, okay. So after so, Yeah. The small domes, I've got a small dome memory. Go on then. I didn't realise I had so much to say about domes. No. The ones at Greenwich. The old, the Royal, Na- old Royal, no, the yes. old Royal Naval College. Ah. See, domes as observatories is yes. another thing. So, yes. they, where they worked out how to we do, should do that. domes, and so that's um, that's people you kind of broadcast or you you, yep. you show the movement of the night sky on a dome, don't you? Yep. Um, that's got its own history. I don't know what it is, but no, the two domes of Greenwich Royal Naval College um, was built by Sir Christopher Wren, who built St Paul's. Um, but it's a really interesting design problem because they wanted to frame something called the Queen's House. Yes, which yes. is the old. Um, House from uh, roundabout Queen William. Sorry, Queen's King House William. is Anne of Denmark. Anne of Denmark. So James. To James's is, wife. James yep. is very much older. Yeah. Um, anyway, they wanted to frame that with this new palace. This is William um, in the 1680s, 1690s. And they didn't know how to do it, but they didn't want to dominate the landscape by a single dome like Goddard St. Paul's, even though domes were very much the fashion. So they split it, which is why at Greenwich you've got those very distinctive two domes. And yep. I think it looks wonderful. Brilliant. Yeah. So I'm going to take us back to eggs and games. Okay. Ever done egg tapping? No, that's a made-up game. No, 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 it's not. It's not. My wife swears that she did it all throughout her childhood. Really? I'd never done it before. Okay. Uh, but as I was researching this, but it, we can trace it back to 14th, the 14th century, Shut the up. 15th century. Really? 1600. Wars of the Roses egg tapping. New Amsterdam. So the idea, I've prepared these earlier at breakfast. I'm sometimes fond of an egg at breakfast. Yeah, me too, me too. Um, so it's a bit like conkers, okay. but with an egg. What do I do? So, um, so what you do, you take it in turns. So what we've got, what we've got, listeners, is two hard-boiled eggs, uh, boiled courtesy of the daybell, um, and you take it in turns at hitting each other's egg. Right. And the person who cracks the opponent's egg first is the winner. <laughs> However, yes, the person who wins has to eat their egg uh, to prove that it's not. Fake or false, <laughs> you know there are Fake there eggs. are there are championships. Okay, well let's just do there it. Championships. Do it so you have this. to you have to you have to tap end to end. Just do it by the microphone. Okay. Then you'll be able to hear it. Okay, you'll go. So okay. I've tapped sound gonna, once, have very break. gently. The thing is, if you tap me hard, you may break. Oh, I may break. Ah. But he's broken. But you you did an aggressive peck, so I've clearly won that. Oh, you've got a much harder egg. What? No, yeah. I'm, I want to. I want to continue. I want to try and smash. I'm yeah. literally just smashing my egg. What? This is not jinxed. What pathetic! So my egg, your egg has my is egg is flawless. It's a resilient egg. Yes, and yours yours broke very early on, but that was it because did. you did a fairly childishly aggressive peck. Yes, didn't I you? should have. I and you did it by surprise. I obviously have no technique. Well, at all. No, I think there's a bit of cheating and aggression there as well. Um, <laughs> I like that very much. That's cool. 
Um, where are you going to take us with eggs next? Ducks. Ducks. Yes. Ducks. Do you what, know duck eggs? Duck eggs. Particular type of duck eggs. Do you know what the Indian runner duck is? Uh, no. Right. Do you, Do you have a picture of such uh, such such a fowl? Let's, let's find one. Oh, oh, here's one. Oh, do you know what that's exactly like? That is exactly like any of you seen the film Babe, mm-hmm. and that funny little duck that sort of waddles around, yep. thinking it's something else. Uh, that is an Indian runner duck. So the it is a brilliantly named duck because it is flightless and it runs. Right. But they were particularly popular because of their egginess. Their ability to produce eggs. So an Indian runner duck will produce somewhere between 150 and 200 eggs a year. And um, it basically seems to have transformed everyone's relationship with birds and chickens when they arrived. So we know that they were imported into Cumbria by a sea captain in the 1850s. Into, uh, into, there's, there's the link, yeah, the sea. Typical. Into, yes. into Cumbria from Lombok and Java. Um, and then there was another load of uh, new birds came in in 1908, 1909. But what's really interesting about them is they start um, a, a number of pamphlets start getting being being produced at around that time, introducing the Indian runner duck and kind of selling its magical wares to the public. And you can you can map this. So it comes to the UK first, and then it gets um, exported, imported to America. So not only is there sort of new material about this extraordinary new duck, which is an egg machine, but um, you can map it on both sides of the Atlantic, which is what I really like. Now there's um a, a book called the Indian Runner Duck Book <laughs> from <laughs> of from, there is. from North America, which is cool. Um especially because <laughs> there's a there's an entire chapter, chapter five, is um selling and cookery value of Indian runner eggs. So I'm gonna read a bit of this because it's um it is straight up genius. There are three aspects under which eggs may be considered, viz, as breeding material, as market stock, as a household necessity and luxury. The last is the strong point, if we take numbers into consideration. Yet as the number of eggs produced depends quite largely in some cases upon the breeding value, it seems to be rather fitting to consider the eggs as breeding material before taking up the other two points. So it's a bit of an essay, and then he goes on to explore the value of the Indian runner duck. Now, what's really good is they they go through a cooking test. Go on, tell, and, tell us about the cooking test. So there's this the the kind of the apogee of the cooking test is a sponge cake. <laughs> the lady who made these tests tried the eggs in making sponge cake. Also, believing that sponge cake is one of the most difficult cakes to make, three eggs were used in the place of five with equally good results. The report closes, we could not detect any unusual flavour in any of the eggs used, not even in the custard and cake. Having tasted them, we should not hesitate to purchase such duck eggs, in preference to hen's eggs, which are, alas, oft times so far below what should be standard size that we wish, with uncle something something, that eggs were sold by the pound. Now, there's a lovely paragraph right at the end, um, which is particularly charming. Not enough eggs remained for the test to try omelette making but if the experimenter could have used it she would have found that it is in this point that the indian runner eggs score most strongly perhaps they make a most delicious omelette will bear more liquid than hen's eggs for this use and may be used with water instead of milk when necessity demands the firmer white doubtless is an advantage here as the omelette is not so likely to fail and some like it better with water than with milk while the scalded milk is avoided in the case of the many invalids to whom milk seems to be a poison. How about that? So this in this little book, you've got the whole history of exporting weird ducks from India 
to America. You've got the history of recipes at the time, the history of invalids and their apparent allergic reaction to milk. It's it's kind of a magical and window household economy. into the past. Yeah, household economy, fewer eggs. Well, needed. yes, ah, well, for the same result. Yes, exactly. I like it. Okay, I'm going to take us in a completely different direction. And while your nautical interests led you to the runner. The Indian runner duck egg. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to take us uh, into the world of secrecy and spies and espionage. And I am going to talk about eggs as vehicles to carry secret letters. I don't believe it. Absolutely. Is it true? Absol- it's absolutely true. And there is a, se- a series of instructions in uh, the wonderful uh, Thomas Lupton's Thousand Notable Things which was published in 1579. And That's amazing. That's like a miscellany. It is. Oh, isn't it? A Tudor miscellany. A cornucopia of oh, wow. sort of secret um, secret things. Yeah. There are ink recipes, all sorts of magical things in it. Wonderful. Check it out. Um, uh, any of you with access to the internet can probably Google it uh, and find it on you know Google Books or something like that. Um, and he gives in this a step-by-step guide on how to put <laughs> secret letters inside an egg. And the idea is that basically, um, if you, I don't know whether you've ever done this, if you take an egg and drop it into very strong vinegar, the shell will basically dissolve or will become, will become really sort of squishy. Mm. And so you can basically sort of poke the yolk and get into it. And so the idea was you'd leave the egg in very strong vinegar. You'd then make a slip with a scalpel and then you'd put in your secret letter and you'd chuck the egg or place the egg in cold water. And it would form up again. Wow. So, um, And I've got the instructions. Re-egg itself. It would re-egg itself. <laughs> the, the, what I was trying to say um, was the shell would re-harden. Wow. Um, so I've got the instructions here. To put a schedule or little writing into an egg, lay an egg certain days in strong vinegar until it be soft and write your name or what you list, what you want, in a little piece of paper. And fold the paper as hard together as you can. Then, with a razor, cut the said egg in the top finely and advisedly, through the which put the little paper into the egg circumspectly, and then put the egg into cold water, and immediately the shell will be hard as it was before, a proper secret. Hmm. And the idea then is that you know you don't put all your eggs in one basket, um, but you <laughs> of but but you would carry you would carry a a basket of eggs. Yeah. Your secret egg would be carried with lots of other eggs, and you would take you know this sort of innocuous everyday commodity to wherever you wanted, hopefully undetected. And if you want to see this done, go to YouTube uh, and check out the YouTube channel of a brilliant friend of mine, uh, Nadine Ackerman, mm-hmm. uh, who teaches in the English department at Leiden University. Hello, Nadine. Hello, Nadine. Um, and she has done all of this uh, for you um, mm. as part of a big project that she's got called Letter Locking, yep. which is all about the the sort of opening and closing of letters. It's all about secrecy and spies. And you should all read her forthcoming book, which is coming out with Oxford University Press within months, mm. within months, the title of which is Female Spies or She Intelligences Towards a Gendered History of the 17th, 17th century espionage. Nadine is one of the world experts in this field. She's edited big three-volume edition of Elizabeth Bohemia's letters. Thousands of pages. 
I like the fact that her title for the book is so long that you'd struggle to put that on a piece of paper inside an egg. I bet, <laughs> although I bet she could. I bet, oh, she probably could. That's a test, Nadine. Brilliant. I want you to do it. Nadine, you should definitely see if you can write that on uh, on an egg. Right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please do so. It really makes a difference. Subscribe to the podcast and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow Histories of the Unexpected on unexpected pod we are proud to be part of the excellent history hit network home of dan snow's history hit and other great shows coming soon and you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months and notes and video clips and all sorts of stuff at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected and if you're listening at easter happy easter happy easter and if you're not um we hope you're well (laughs) hello goodbye hello goodbye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.